The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. starts right now on what is a huge night for earnings. Check out the big movers right now. Everything from Amazon, Amgen, Intel, and Starbucks to Chipotle. We've got full team coverage throughout the hour on all the big names. Meg Terrell covering Amgen, Josh Lipton on Intel, Kate Rogers pulling double duty on Starbucks and Chipotle, and Julia Borson on Electronic Arts. Plus, we are pulling out all the stops for the big kahuna, Amazon. That stock has been volatile after hours, falling a bit before jumping to touch an all-time high as Wall Street digests the big earnings beat, but revenue missed. The whole gang is here. Fast Money friend Gene Munster monitoring the conference call from the Red Phone. Courtney Reagan will be all parsing through the headlines for us. And we've got top technician Chris Verone standing by with instant reaction on the charts. And we start here with Amazon, the last of the FANG stocks to report. And as we just mentioned, the stock briefly touching an all-time high, gunning to be the first company to be worth a trillion dollars in market cap. The stock holding up much better than its peers, Facebook and Netflix. Both names getting crushed this earnings season, but not exactly killing it after hours. So do you keep buying? Amazon here and is Fang losing its dominance? Guy. Wow. Keep buying. Well, the, the answer to the first question is yeah, I think you do. If you look at Amazon's quarter, what sticks out to me, we've been talking before the show, operating margins this quarter, 5.6%. Uh, the street was looking for 3.2%. AWS is now close to 20% of their revenue. Last quarter is 18%. I think that's trending in the right direction. Obviously, people will come on every day of the week, talk about valuation, how they can't wrap their arms around it. But they continue to put up quarters that are pretty stellar, in my opinion. And this is just another one. And this comes in the wake of, obviously, what we talked about for an hour last night, Facebook. Yeah. So you see how one company can miss badly, another company can just keep hitting it out of the park. Yeah, yeah and, and they also have a lot of shots on goal. I mean, the investment they made in Whole Foods, I mean, that's going to come around for them. There's no doubt they've got a huge opportunity uh, there. Pillpack, I mean, getting into this, you know, the pharmacy distribution business, I mean, that's going to be enormous for them. We did a report account about that and the opportunity, if they made an acquisition, what it sort of looked like from a revenue perspective. It's a, like a $20 billion opportunity in 2020. So there are shots in goal. AWS revenue is accelerating. This operating income number obviously was, was, was bigger, and it probably was because their investments were lighter. Yeah, I think it's important to remember with a company like Amazon that there are a lot of different levers. You know, we were talking about Facebook, and when people are def defending it last night down 20-some percent, they talk about all these levers that haven't been pulled. Well, they don't really have a plan to do that now. They have to fix their main lever right now. And Amazon, obviously, you know, here's a company that just printed $53 billion in sales in the quarter. And you know what? Net income was uh, about, you know, Two and a half billion or so. I mean, this is not something that's like so impressive here. I'm kind of surprised the stock is making a new all-time high in the aftermarket. I mean, the revenue guidance they give, yeah, it was a little light, um, and they'll probably beat it. But I don't know how you could say, oh, you should buy this stock at 1870, and just unless you're one of the true believers, uh, and if you were going to have a reset at some point, you weren't going to sell it, then buy it here. You know, I, I mean, it's just not the game well, that the I. Well, stock play. was down three yeah. percent during the regular session, so it's up three percent or so in right, the so after session. It's sort of a, just it a relief. It's like, ah, oh, you know what? It wasn't Facebooked. It wasn't Facebook. Right. It was not Facebooked at all. I mean, the, the, the mix is changing here in a very favorable way. You're seeing acceleration, not just growth, the rate of growth accelerating in AWS. The margins are better there. They're able to talk, they're touching on 
running it more efficiently. So that's, and they think they're really early innings. So that's a pretty right. huge, huge part of the story. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I look at it and say, I don't think it's just about, I mean, Dan hits the nail on the head. We sort of aren't like blowing out the quarter. We're not seeing real acceleration here in price action after the close. We're getting back to where the stock was. The fear today about what if this is another Facebook, what if this is another Netflix, obviously pressured the stock. But I think the narrative here is, is really hasn't changed much. I mean, I still think they're going to make investments. They're coming into a quarter where heavy spend is going to pick up in Q3 because they start to, to get their, their uh, um, fulfillment centers ready to deploy for the holiday season. I think we're in a period right now where you could buy this stock still very comfortably. Really? Very comfortably? For, yeah, it's up I don't, 60%. I don't see a it's a $900 billion market cap company. We just had this kind of sentiment so, blip yesterday where right. it really was, I think, you know, listen, I think what happened in Facebook yesterday was very healthy. I think it's important for investors to remember that these stocks are, you know, are subject right. to the laws of physics, this handful of stocks. So the fact that this stock is not all over the place or it's not down 10 plus percent or anything like that, that's fine. But, you know, at a new all-time high to come in and establish a new position, I think it really makes sense to wait for these sorts of resets. And I think all of these stocks have been very volatile. A Apple, you know, if we're talking FANG with two A's, you know, had, what, a 15% peak to trough decline at one point, came all the way back. You get your opportunities to buy them. I don't think when the news is out there after a quarterly print, trading an all-time high is the time to do it, or the day before, like in Facebook, when it closes at an all-time high. Dan brings up a good point, though, in terms of the broader market. I mean, Facebook, you know, we talk about the market cap of Facebook. A stock like that goes down 25%. We sat here, was over a 20-minute period. What does that say about the potential for the broader market to have not a move of that magnitude, but a move of that speed, you know, with like 5 to 10% in a, in a, in a, in a day? If, the, if Facebook can move like that with the speed and, and, uh -huh. and the, the acceleration that we saw, who's to say it couldn't happen or, in a broader the, market? Uh, the, the counter could be the, that Facebook moved this much and the market's barely moved. Which that is, is I thought well, which I would think that is, people, is Which absolutely right? emboldens the bulls. I get it 100%. But, you know, when you see a move like that, you have to take notice, I would think. If Facebook can move 20% in 20 minutes, what does that say about the broader market, an ETF-laden broader market, by the way? But you don't feel that that's so idiosyncratic to them? I mean, look, yeah. to me, the idea that Google was up today is right. kind of astounding. Right. I mean, you know, Amazon so down. So is Netflix. I mean, barely. Yes, just barely. barely. But, but, but the ETFization of the market, maybe that impact was overblown this whole time. I mean, if Facebook can go down 20% and the rest of FANG can be okay, doesn't that tell us that maybe we were worried about nothing? Well, I think the ETF, whatever occasion that you're talking about, I think it's a, I, I knows what the no, word is. I, I don't even know it. But it's really important. I mean, I think what Guy's getting at, if there was ever a reason where investors in all five of these names that make up, including Microsoft, that make up $4 trillion in market cap, if they all headed for the door at one point, mm -hmm. then you have a situation where the whole thing could kind of snowball on some of these other sectors. Let's not forget, okay, and I don't know if you guys saw Mike Wilson on the halftime report today from Morgan Stanley. He made a really good point that there's a rolling bear market, and, and Scott pushed back on, well, look at housing, look at autos, look at, these are two of the most important industrial right. and, 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 you know, and manufacturing and all the stuff that's related to them. They are massive bear markets. Financial stocks are still down right. almost 10% so from their highs. If you lose this leadership group, they have the potential for the whole thing to snowball. That's just a fact. We've seen it at market tops before. I'm not saying we're at a market top, but I think the Facebook could be the first sort of thing that you really well, want to keep going. No, I, I that they that. didn't, that there was and, no it's, it's impressive. I, 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 I agree with you it's impressive but 
for instance, if you start losing legs of the chair, you know what I mean, that's when this stuff but starts. But seeing this leg strong despite a huge whack at it, I mean, does that make you feel better about the strength of technology? Well, it was, it was obviously a rotation to some other stuff, and I think uh -huh. it's important to go back and look at Boeing yesterday. Here's a stock that's obviously performed just like Amazon, up 50% of the year or something. It was down, what, 3 4% at some point, closed up on the day. There's money flowing into these things. It is a bit of a rotation, but I don't know how long that can happen, you know, that can go on for, but I think it's important keep a close eye on I think investors understand that this face the Facebook commentary what Facebook pulled last night I mean that's a complete shift in in what they're nor they normally do this is a company that's been incredibly consistent for the last five years and they come out and pull the rug out from investors from with their commentary about their operating about their uh, margins and and it scared the heck out of people I think I mean look they're talking about managing this business long term not quarter by quarter, all that stuff. I think people really believe, I think a lot of the bigger investors believe they sandbagged it. This is an absolute sandbag. It, it was directed for a reason. They didn't do it last quarter because of where the stock was trading. It was trading at 160 bucks. If they had done it, maybe the stock would have gone to 120. Given the fact it was at all-time highs, essentially, they do it now, and they get the stock back down to a 21 multiple based on next year's earnings, which I think is, is reasonable. So I, I, I think they're in trouble from the standpoint of the, the stock working for the next six months. they got to prove a little bit about this new narrative of the way the transition they're going through. But ultimately, I don't see the stock going a lot lower. The new narrative is slower growth. I mean, that's just what it is for slower, Facebook. It, it, yeah. It's you know, slower, slower growth. Slower growth. But the their ability. So the, the question then, are they going to be able to attract users? And can they, can they get a, a better margin from an advertising perspective? Because they're the choice and the go-to Back to Amazon. Quickly, I mean, well, back to Amazon. Dan makes a good Listen, if you've seen one thing over the last few months, it's not, there's nothing wrong with taking money off the table in the environment that we find ourselves in. Uh, you know, Amazon's, is Amazon giving you a gift that it's rallied in the aftermarket? Maybe. I think it was wrong that it was down during the day as well. So if you net it out, we're basically where we closed yesterday-ish. I think the quarter is good enough for us to continue to have legs. The fact that the S&P continues to grind higher is remarkable. And the VIX, can, I mean, the VIX was lower today on what was a historic day for one of the biggest companies in the history of. I mean, that stock was down 20 percent. VIX closed lower on the day. That to me is a. There's something that doesn't really add up. To Karen's point, maybe it's just idiosyncratic to Facebook. I think there's something bigger going on, in my opinion. More on Amazon's after-hours move. Let's get a check on the charts with Chris Verona, Strategus Research Partners. Hey, Chris. Hey, Melissa, how are you? Certainly a good response thus far from Amazon, up about 3% after hours. But I think we do need to take into account the stock is up a lot this year. I would look to today's low, about 1800 as a good tactical stop for any longs, and maybe 1750 uh, as a good longer-term stop. That's the uptrend that's been in place uh, over the last year. I think when we put this in context of what the Qs uh, are telling us, down 1% today, the Qs, but when you equally weight them, they were actually up. So the average tech stock actually fared pretty well today, despite Facebook. One of our favorites does not get enough uh, attention here. This is Apple making uh, new relative highs, new absolute highs. The breakout was 1,200. We're targeting 1,400 here uh, on Alphabet. And then lastly, this is Apple does not get enough attention. About to make new relative highs right there in absolute terms. You get it above 195, 196. You're looking at 210, 215. This is still a leadership stock, and we want to own it here. All right, Chris, why don't you come on over? Michelle will bring the chair in. I like how you guys are doing questions. Well, right, now you just over. This is not a democracy. We're not just living in Melissa's world. Um, so the price action today proves the technology is still strong. Well, the price action stronger was, than was you thought. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they hit Facebook hard, as we know. Equal weight, the cues are up. Yeah, 
you look at the equal weight S&P up about 70 bips, the average stock is faring well. I thought one of the most important stories today that people are not talking about, 50% of the industrial sector made a one-month high. It's a sector that's been out of bounds for six months. It's starting to show up here again. So Dan was talking about what Mike Wilson and Morgan Stanley was saying about this rolling bear market. Should we be concerned about this rolling bear market? I think there are certainly pockets of leadership in a bifurcated tape, but let's keep in perspective. The financials off the playing field for four or five months start to show back up here. The response from the banks the last two or three weeks has been absolutely fantastic here. You look at health care, Lilly breaking out of a three-year base. You can't ignore that. So I think if anything, the market may be getting a little bit broader here. But Dan, a good point, there are some groups that are absent. Autos being maybe the best how you, example. How do you think bank stocks are going to act if home builders continue to make new lows, if autos continue to make new lows, if we don't have stocks like Boeing and some of the stuff sure. that break out? I mean, to me, I think it's just, you know, there's the writing is on the wall for some of the stuff. And then if you start to lose some of these mega, mega horsemen that have been literally driving Fair. the train, not on an equal weight basis, mm -hmm. but on an absolute basis, I, I mean, to me, it doesn't really look that rosy. It's a good point. I think when you look at the bank's... Remember, put volume has been huge on these stocks the last month. So expectations are low. You also saw big outflows over the preceding three months. So the bar is low, I think, for these to actually surprise on the upside. Industrials gave us that message last week. You saw big outflows from the XLI over the last two months. That is a good contrarian signal that you want to be buying them here. So I know you look at the charts, yeah. but I can't help but look at something like the rhetoric on trade, which to be, you know, yeah. last 24 up 36 hours has been a lot better. That, to me, seems more important. How do you factor that in, or do you not factor that in at all? I factored it in from the perspective of trading the news is an easy way to lose money uh, in this business. And if you look at how resilient this tape has been, in spite of what have been nasty headlines for three or four months, I think you have to view that as a win, not only for the market, but for rates. The fact that rates aren't back at 250, I think, is really telling. They're right back at 298. You've got to suspect they're going higher here. Just quickly, um, Facebook chart. Um, listen, I think that uh, 175, maybe down to 165 is the line of the sand. If it can hold it, I get interested. But uh, when a stock breaks like that, it has to repair. Remember, it's still up from where it was in February. Okay. Let's keep that in okay. context as well. All right, Chris, thank you. Thank Chris you. Chris Verone, Strategus Research Partners. Wait, I got to give Karen some props. You know, um, remember Google? We got in a fight maybe it. about a month yeah. ago. Yeah, you oh, remember, remember that? It. Okay. Yeah, but well, you know, just, just to be fight. fair, yeah. it did drop 7%. It did make that double top. And then it's come back and it, and, it, and it broke out. And I agree with Chris. It's probably one of the best looking charts in the entire market the world over um, but you're right on the fundamentals and the technical setup was great he talked about this consolidation you got this nice long base and, and, yeah. and who knows well, thank you right. thank you she's right oh, all right <laughs> coming up we will be monitoring the amazon earnings call which is about to kick off in just a few moments and we'll bring you more on the headlines and the stock reaction throughout this hour plus bitcoin taking a hit right now as it looks like the crypto universe's dream for an etf are now even further from becoming a reality we will bring you the latest details next and later facebook having its worst day ever after shocking the street during its earnings call so what's facebook worth now and is its deadly move signaling the end of the growth trade the dean evaluation will be here we are live from times square in new york City. Much more fast money on this very busy night. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, 
a leading global asset manager. Welcome back. We've got a Bitcoin alert. Let's get to Bob Bassani at the New York Stock Exchange for details. Bob. Hello, Melissa. The SEC has disapproved the application of the BATS BZX exchange to list and trade shares of the Winklevoss Bitcoin Trust. Now, the SEC emphasized that this disapproval does not rest on any evaluation or opinion on whether Bitcoin or blockchain technology has any value as an innovation or an investment. They stayed away from that. The SEC noted that it would seem that more than three quarters of the volume in Bitcoin occurs outside the United States. 95% of the volume, they say, has occurred in non-U.S. exchanges. The bid-ask spreads varied widely across exchanges, they said. The volume in Bitcoin futures markets, they also said, are very small. 20% the volume of platinum, 2.5% that of silver. Now, the SEC indicated that its mission is designed to prevent fraudulent or manipulative acts or practices and to protect investors. They said this over and over again. They were concerned about fraud and manipulation of Bitcoin, particularly since this is done largely in an unregulated offshore market. As for assertions that Bitcoin would be uniquely resistant to manipulation often made, the SEC found that the record before the commission does not support that conclusion. Now, there is another Bitcoin ETF application that's still active, Melissa, and that's the VanX SolidX Bitcoin Trust. The SEC had no comment about that application, so that is still out there right now. And by the way, the vote, the SEC vote, three to one. Melissa, back to you. Bob, it sounds like the SEC is just basically saying Bitcoin's a fraud. Not a fraud. They are saying they were very careful in saying we're not saying that there is something wrong uh, with with uh, the whole concept of blockchain. In fact, Clayton, the chairman, has said before he thinks these are promising technologies. But over and over again, they said we have finding that they are indeed subject to fraud and manipulation. And the fact that it's in an unregulated offshore market, mm -hmm. basically they're saying you want us to approve something where all the trading is in an unregulated offshore market. Uh-uh. It doesn't fit in with our mission. All right. Bob, thanks. Bob Pisani okay. at the New York Stock Exchange. I'm sitting at home. I hear this. I think... What? Bitcoin can be manipulated? Yeah. Is well, that I, true? I, I think, look, the SEC's <laughs> job is really to, to make sure they're protecting the retail investor. And, and this is their, you know, the foremost, most important thing that they have. So I, I can understand. I don't think there were expectations for this to be approved. I think there's a lot of work still for this to be a, a very transparent vehicle, if you will, to, to incorporate into an ETF and to allow the folks at home to buy this with confidence. So I think the SEC is drawing a hard line in the sand on that. And, and I think it's a good thing. It doesn't mean Bitcoin falls off the rails, though. I think Bitcoin still is a very, uh, you know, interesting investment still at these levels. Yeah, and I would mention that, you know, take the top 10 cryptocurrencies, which make up 90% of the total market cap, it's $250 billion. It's just not that big right now, and it's still really easy to download and that. And there are things called, there are Bitcoin whales out there, right? That's right, and they own a huge chunk of it. Yeah, but So what I would it. say for, for consumers, it's still really easy to download Coinbase, buy some Bitcoin, you know, that sort of thing, and trade it. You can risk manage it. You can do a lot of things with it. So, um, you know, to me, it's still in a downtrend from those highs back in January, and it's made a series of lower lows and lower highs. Um, so we've just had this 40% rally since July 4th. Could it retrace a bit of that? Because maybe some enthusiasm was about this. I know you're saying it wasn't expected, but there was enthusiasm about something. All right. Now to an earnings alert on Amgen. It's higher in the after-hour session. Let's get to Meg Terrell with a look at what Wall Street is saying about that report. Hey, Meg. 
Hey, Mel, we're just listening to the call here on the Biotech Blue Phone. Uh, they're still in the opening session, not getting to the questions uh, just yet. It was a pretty strong quarter for Amgen in the second quarter, a beat on both the top and bottom lines, and they raised their guidance. Uh, let's take a quick look at what the analysts are saying. We've got a couple comments here. Uh, first from J.P. Morgan's Corey Kazimov calling it a solid beat and raise uh, for the quarter. That really echoed by a few other analysts. Michael Yee at Jeffries calling it classic Amgen, saying they do this better than anyone. Uh, Chris Raymond over at Piper saying, quote, like Clockwork, Amgen just finds a way. Uh, Baird's Brian Scorney also telling me that other biotechs, he says, should take notes, meaning uh, other biotechs that swing back and forth between 52-week highs and lows on results should figure out how to be just as slow and steady uh, as Amgen. Uh, there was some news also in executives at Amgen. Uh, we've learned that their uh, head of R&D, Sean Harper, is going to retire, as, uh, as well as their head of commercial, Tony Hooper. Um, Sean Harper is, uh, is retiring, I think, today. He's being taken over. His, his job is being taken over. And in September, uh, Hooper is moving on, being replaced by uh, uh, Murdo Gordon from Bristol Myers. Um, we'll also note that Amgen is the fourth big biotech to report earnings, rounding out a very solid quarter for all of these. Amgen, Biogen, Celgene, and Gilead. Biogen, of course, getting hit because of the Alzheimer's data, but its quarter actually looked really good, something that Michael Yee from Jeffries noted for us. Mel, back over to you. Meg, thanks. Meg Terrell. Um, what do we do with biotech here, Guy? It's interesting. So we've been bullish Amgen, obviously. It made, I think it made an all-time high back at the beginning of this year, 201 or so. We're basically up against it now. That's, I guess, the good news. So this is the way I look at it. They beat the quarter. This is the second quarter. They beat by 28 cents. They raised the lower end of guidance by 50. That's fine. But they only raised the upper end of guidance by basically that 28 cents. So take that for what it's worth. Valuation is fair. They're buying back stock. But you've seen tremendous moves to the upside in Amgen, and you've seen the exact same moves to the downside in the same amount of time. So I think we're sort of at the top end of the range. If you've been long the stock for the last couple of months, I think you absolutely have to take profits now, It's interesting you say that. Look at Vertex today. They put up a good print sold on the news. I wouldn't be surprised to see a sell on the news scenario tomorrow morning. It's going to be interesting to see how it reacts tomorrow. A lot of these big cap names had a big run-up into earnings, and then it's a sell in the news event. We'll see. All right, still ahead. Check out shares of Amazon up around 3%, touching an all-time high in the after hours. The company conference call starting in just a few minutes. We'll bring you the very latest. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, Person Business Worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? $120 billion. Because that's about how much Facebook lost today. So, is it now a value buy? The Dean Evaluation will weigh in. Plus, traders are expecting a huge move from Twitter when it reports earnings tomorrow. And we'll tell you which direction when Fast Money returns. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back to Fast Money. Last night, right here on Fast, we all watched Facebook free fall together. The stock has now shed $120 billion in market cap. Does this signal the end of the growth trade? A very busy night for our own Bob Pisani, who is still live at the New York Stock Exchange, and he's got more on this story. Hey, Bob. Hello, Melissa. Good to be back again. We have two fang disappointments, Netflix and Facebook, although not tonight with Amazon. So is it time for investors to finally end their slavish devotion to a small group of hyper-growth stocks and start considering something else, maybe beating up value names? What an idea. Hey, remember value? They're stocks that are neglected and trade for less than their intrinsic value. Investors have been obsessed with growth and really obsessed with the biggest growth name, the fang stocks, for the past five years. Look at the gap has widened this year. The iShares growth ETF is up 12%. That's the top line there. To date, the iShares value, that white line, that's flat year to date. This has been going on for years. Since 2010, the Russell 1000 growth index has outperformed the Russell 1000 value index by roughly 70%. That's according to Patrick O'Shaughnessy, who wrote a great report on this. Not surprisingly, since growth is dominated by, hey, what else? The fang names like Apple and Microsoft and Amazon, Facebook, Alphabet, Netflix. But maybe that's going to start to change. Well, maybe. Today, for the first time in a long time, Value notably outperformed growth and names that were associated with value. So oil stocks like Exxon, bank stocks like J.P. Morgan, consumer names like Walmart, Procter & Gamble, Pfizer. They, they've all been generally trending gently higher recently. All right. So is there any hope for value? Will anyone ever swap into these cheaper stocks? Well, they might. But banks, energy and retail stocks, those are all the value names, folks. They've been horrible. They've been underperforming for years and for very specific reasons. Banks because of slow growth and flat rates. Energy has underperformed because of the oil collapse and the retail because of Amazon. Now, if all of this starts to change, if we finally get back to decent earnings growth in those three sectors, value may finally start to outperform for the first time in more than a decade. Let's hope we get some moves there. Back to you, Melissa. All right, Bob, thank you. Bob Pisani at the NYSE. All right, so the backdrop of this is tomorrow we're expecting uh, what Larry Kudlow has called big GDP report. Donald Trump today said that it could be 5%, but he'd be happy with a 4% um, GDP. So in this environment where we do have strong growth, do you buy growth or do you buy value? You're going to say value. You're well, value first. I, I, yes. I mean, I own some things that are mm -hmm. considered growthy, like an alphabet, but I think of that as value. For me, like a J.P. Morgan that he's talking about, here's your cue to, like, you know, yell about the banks. J.P. Morgan, you talk about it being down from its highs. Okay, but still, for the year, with dividends included, it's probably up 8-plus percent, which is better than the market. And even at this price, that, uh, I think there's a lot of value here. If we see a big GDP number tomorrow, I think it's good for the banks. My question, I'm, not, I'm just throwing this out. What is what is a good GDP number due to the market? Is a five is a five That's handle a, in GDP bullish or bearish? Especially in light of what President Trump said to Joe Kernan a week, week and a half ago about he's not happy that the Fed is in this rate hiking, rate rate raising cycle. It's it's fascinating to me. I would say a 5% GDP should be negative for the market, but I've learned the hard way now a number of times. Negative for the market and more negative for growth stocks or more negative for value stocks? Well, I think the growth stocks would, I think, based on what Bob just said, I think growth stocks would go down faster yeah. than value. But again, maybe, maybe a good GDP number is good for the market. That's, what, that's the environment we find. It's fascinating to me, though. All right. Let's talk about 
more about undervalued, overvalued. Our next guest says Facebook is undervalued here and that you should buy the stock at these levels. And you want to listen to him because he's often referred to as the dean of valuation. We simply call him Aswath Damodaran, which is not easy to say, finance <laughs> professor at NYU. Professor, good to see you as always. Good to be back. Um, you say that we should have known about the, the guidance from Facebook all along. Did you short the stock? I mean, <laughs> it seemed like it caught everybody by surprise. I, the reason I said we should have known is Facebook has been telegraphing for almost the entire year. Two things. One is that they're shifting their focus away from news to friends, and that's going to have an effect on advertising. The second is that they're going to hire thousands of people to take care of our privacy. Those people don't work for free. So what you saw yesterday with Facebook was, in a sense, not unexpected. Their margins decreased. The user numbers, the growth was low. But I think the bigger, bigger number to watch is user intensity, the, number, the time that people spend on Facebook. That we don't know yet. Mm -hmm. Because after perhaps one of the worst quarters in terms of PR that a company's had, I was surprised that the user numbers actually went up. So to me, what, what you saw with Facebook yesterday was a reflection of what's been going on all year. And what the market did, uh, I, and this is what's surprising to me, is after April, the market seemed to have forgotten all about the privacy scandal yeah. and gone back to business as usual. And I think they got a surprise yesterday that they deserved. Okay, so you say undervalued on Facebook. Amazon just uh, came out with their, its earnings reports up about 3% after hours. Where do you stand on this? From a valuation perspective, Amazon yes. it terrifies me as a company, simply because you find it overvalued, but you cannot bet against it because this is a disruption machine. I'm not even sure what business the company is in anymore. It's a platform that can be used pretty much to disrupt any business. And that's what's being priced in. I mean, remember, yesterday we punished Facebook for its margins going from 47 to 44%. Today, we're rewarding Amazon for its margins going from 6% to 8%. So we're using different sets of rules and expectations for these companies. But in a sense, Amazon is on its way up in terms of margins, and Facebook is on its way down. Okay, so Amazon, you say, is worth uh, $1,019. let us fast forward a little bit. We're running out of time. Tesla, you say it's worth $190, so overvalued? Yeah, te Tesla, to me, is, is the danger of investing in a personality rather than a company. I think that... I mean, we can talk about how great the potential here is, but this is a company that, where the story doesn't make sense. Because what the company is saying about what it needs in terms of future capital is at odds with what it needs to do to become a great company. So it's almost like the company has to make up its mind as to what it needs to do. And in this case, when we say company, it's Elon Musk. Professor, thanks so much for joining us. Always great to get your analysis. Thank you. Aswath Damodaran of NYU. Um, do you agree with the professor on some of these I agree with him on Facebook, and I, I think it's really important that the sentiment has changed. You know, yeah. we know it was white hot headed into this print. The stock closed at an all-time high. There was 44 buys, two holds, two sells in the thing, and that has kind of changed, I think, the, the psyche as far as investors. Now they have the opportunity to actually beat estimates over the next year if they can do that, and then they can fix some of the issues, not have any major uh, landmines go off in, in this uh, upcoming election, and then the thing probably sets up okay. I said this back in April when the stock started to rebound. I didn't think it was going to make a new all-time high for a very long time. I'm going to double down on that. I don't think that's going to happen for a very long time. I was wrong this other time, but now it is a show-me story at a reasonable valuation, though. You own Facebook. I own so Facebook. What, what are you doing? What are you looking for? How do you feel about cover, it? Uh, looking for cover. No, uh -huh. I feel about that 
This to me is a, it, it shouldn't have probably been there, but I don't think that it should be here. I think that if you were to just step back, you didn't know where the stock had traded from May until now, and you see this quarter, and there were, you know, the, he talked about, uh, the professor talked about margins going from, you know, 44 to 30 something. It's still extraordinary margins, mm. extraordinary growth, a very powerful machine, other potential growth out there, and trading at a valuation that is not particularly high relative to the market. Plus, plus, they have a huge boatload of cash. I like it here. If I own none, I would buy it, and I went home long, so it's the same as buying it. All right. For more on the Facebook fallout, head to tradingnation.cnbc.com. One technician who called the massive decline lays out the next key levels to watch. Meantime, still ahead on fast, Amazon up just about 3% after hours of stock, touching an all-time high. Conference call just kicking off. Courtney Reagan and Gene Munster are dialed in and will bring you the very latest. Plus, let's get a check on some of the other earnings movers right now. Chipotle soaring, Intel sinking. We'll hear from the CEOs and get instant reaction from the street. Much more fast right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got some after-hours action. Starbucks, Chipotle, and Intel all on the move after hours. We've got full team coverage with Josh Lipton on Intel, Kate Rogers on the fast food giants. Let's get to Josh Lipton first on Intel. Josh. Well, uh, Melissa, you know, we started off this call. The stock was down about 3%, but it's taking a, a leg lower here. You know, a couple of different challenges with Intel. Uh, one certainly was these manufacturing issues the company was having with its next generation of processors, 10 nanometer on the call. Uh, the company is saying that 10 nanometer yields are on track with systems on the market in the second half of 2019. Now, on the call, some analysts had questions about that. That timeline, they said, seems to be kind of a long time. They want to know what the challenge was and what that, what that means uh, for competition. Murthy Renducentala, who is the company's chief engineering officer, is actually on the call. Uh, interestingly, he's actually been named as a potential uh, CEO. He says the challenge here is just really delivering on all the, the revolutionary modules, he's saying, and there is a delay, but he's arguing on the call that they feel good about their competitive uh, position, given that where they are with 14 nanometer, and he thinks that's going to continue to drive product leadership. Also on the call, of course, uh, the data center segment is coming up, you know, up 20% to $5.5 billion, but that did miss analyst expectations, and so some analysts are asking about competition there as well. Uh, Bob Swan, who is, of course, serving as interim CEO, saying uh, he feels great about the competitive position and the growth reflects their investments they have made. And one final uh, bit here about uh, this CEO search, not a whole lot on the call about that. Um, Bob Swan did say that the board is making good progress. No hard timetable. He says that the board is working, in his words, with a sense of urgency. Melissa, back to you. Josh, thank you. Josh Lipton out in San Francisco on Intel for us. Dan, where do you go with Intel? First of all, Lipton. I mean, is that a good-looking man or what? <laughs> I mean, that, that, is, that is a great-looking man. But I, mean, I think it's really interesting. I think he's blushing. I can. Oh, there he is. Oh, I love him. We love him. We love him. All right. Here's the thing. We were just talking about. We were just talking about growth versus value. Yeah. And I think Intel's a great example. I think every single person on this desk, maybe even you, last year when the stock was in the mid-30s, we all loved it. It was just too cheap. The dividend yield, the growth drivers, all this sort of stuff. Now there's so much uncertainty. Mm -hmm. It's trading below a market multiple. It's trading below all of its peers. Uncertainty about its business. Business or the chip environment? Both. Or both. Okay. It's definitely about them and, and, and their, and their yeah. future. Right. But it, it, it's trades cheap for a reason now. And, and, and just on a technical basis, it broke that uptrend from September below 50. So to me, I think it's kind of dead money for a while. What, uh, so, yeah. so yesterday, the Chinese regulators 
did not approve the Qualcomm NXPI deal. And that, not that Intel was on the market to do anything, but that really underscores this notion that for chip companies right now, it is the business that they have. Survive on their no, own. Right, that there is no combination, at least while this trade war is going on. It's interesting. So you know who's been surviving? And I agree with everything that Dan said. I mean, Intel's not ridiculously expensive, but the uncertainty, you know, the uncertainty on the CEO level is concerning. That and too. this quarter was okay. It wasn't great. <laughs> ASPs were okay. Volumes were okay. So, guy, you think Malenkov would be a good CEO of Intel? I don't Maybe know. Maybe jam the, the Qualcomm and the Intel yeah. together. I mean, look, I'm just know. saying, I don't know. You know, Qualcomm, I don't know. They, they've taken a step back from servers that's where intel is growing you put these two you companies together you think that a together? deal can get through in the us yeah i do in the us yeah Qualcomm's better off buying back their own stock, in my opinion. Which but, they're doing. Which, which they've been doing for five but, years. But quickly, they haven't been better yes, doing it. Yes, quickly. You're fair enough. That's fair. They you basically a lit it on but fire. They've, but they've, they've, uh, most of the things at Qualcomm have been self-induced, and right. right? I mean, over the last year and a half, two years, they seem to have gotten around. I don't know. Let's talk about AMD real quick, though, because Cowan put an $18 waiting. price target on 21 that 21 now. 21, my up friend. Up to 21, and this has gone from 10 when Susquehanna downgraded it back in April, I believe, or March, you see where it is now. Well done by Cowan. And we've actually been on this thing as well. All right. <laughs> now I'm, now I'm getting permission to do a would you rather, even though we were waiting to get oh, Rogers. Sorry. AMD or Intel, Seberg? AMD, without a question. I mean, they're absolutely going to have an impact on Intel's business next year. I mean, they're going to press them from a margin perspective. Uh, I think they're just gaining share, and, and, it's a, and it's an amazing company, so definitely AMD. Okay, poor Kate. She's been waiting. Kate Rogers, let's get Hi. to her. Uh, That's with the okay. latest on Starbucks and Chipotle. Hey, Kate. I'm Melissa. Thanks. Starbucks with a beat on the top and bottom lines this quarter. Their comps globally fell right in line with the lowered guidance that the company gave last month of 1% for the quarter. U.S. comps also right in line. China comps fell 2%. Kevin Johnson, the CEO, said they're focused on growth in both China and the U.S. as a top priority, adding that they're piloting uh, delivery this fall in Beijing and Shanghai. The company also increasing the amount it's returning to shareholders via buybacks and dividends to $25 billion through 2020. That's an increase of $10 billion from what we were previously guided. I also spoke with Roz Brewer, Starbucks COO, who said the company is investing in labor scheduling software to reduce the amount of administrative tasks that their partners do and make sure that those partners are more efficient. She added that they've not seen an impact to the brand in terms of the incident uh, back in April in Philadelphia. Also, Piper Jeffries, Nicole Miller-Reagan says there is value in the China development and grocery and reserve bars with Starbucks, but that's all being overshadowed by domestic comp performance. And over to Chipotle now. The company also beat on the top and bottom lines. Comps also increased by 3.3% in the quarter. That is a beat. New CEO Brian Nichols said that digital sales are 10.3% of total sales right now. They also hope that delivery will be in 2,000 restaurants by the end of the year. RJ Hadavi from Morningstar says the company wouldn't have been able to achieve this if if they hadn't been seeing some positive feedback so far from Brian Nickel, as well as those new uh, initiatives he's implemented with digital order and pickup. Melissa, back over to you. All right, Kate, thank you. Kate Rogers uh, on two stocks reporting in the after session. Where do you want to go here, Karen? Where do I want? Well, a few. Chipotle I mean, or, or Starbucks? Chipotle, I think, is mm -hmm. sort of more interesting. Uh, you know, so the turnaround seems to have really taken hold, right? A lot of good things happening there. That same store sales was such an important metric. That is really important. However, oh, my God, it's expensive. Yeah. You know? It's like 90% since this new CSO, uh, CEO took Right. Out. So it probably shouldn't have been there. I think it was overly pessimistic. But there's a lot of good stuff already built in here. I like the turnaround, but I can't own it at this, this valuation. All right. Let's get a check on some of our other big earnings movers as we head to break. Amazon, as we mentioned, touched an all-time high after hours while Electronic Arts getting crushed. We'll bring you the very latest from those conference calls and get instant analysis from Wall Street when Fast Money returns.
Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on video game maker Electronic Arts. The stock is sinking in the after-hour session. Let's get to Julia Borson in Los Angeles with some of Wall Street's reaction to that report. Hey, Julia. Well, Melissa, while Electronic Arts beat on revenue expectations, the stock took a tumble on disappointing guidance, among other things. Here's what CEO Andrew Wilson said when asked about the impact of Fortnite from a rival game maker called Epic Games. Fortnite continues to, what we believe, expand the audience. Um, we saw incredible engagement in our games through the quarter. Uh, as we talked about, we had uh, 50, over 15 million people join our World Cup mode in FIFA. And so our expectation is that, you know, as they continue to expand the audience, that provides tremendous opportunity for us going into the holiday season. Wilson saying they're bullish about their big new move into PC subscriptions with Origin Access Premier, saying that subscriptions can be transformative for the business. Wilson also weighed in on the growing importance of esports, saying that this year's competitive FIFA season drew more than 20 million players. That's an 80% higher viewers over last season. Melissa, back over to you. All right. Thank you very much, Julia Borston. Uh, where are we standing at EA, Guy? Got to get comfortable on valuation. I mm -hmm. think that's probably why the stock's selling off. But if you look, operating margins have been better. I think this, look, the stock has had a pretty big run from 120 to 142-ish, pulling back now. I think you can get another opportunity to buy it. I think the whole space is interesting. We've talked about it for a while. Take two, we did Take that two. thing. I mean, yeah. so, yeah. listen, do you go out and buy it on this sell-off? No, you probably get it lower. But you look at margins, the business is going pretty well. Valuation is a concern. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Take Two is the best valuation in the in the space right now. Uh, look, it's been a crowded trade across the board for these guys. EA and the weakness, maybe there's a little bit more downside here, but still, this is an amazing, amazing growth trajectory for this this industry. I'd probably take a shot and buy the weakness. Fortnite. Should the other game makers be scared of this? Well, it's funny. So, you know, think back to a couple summers ago. Remember Pokemon Go? That was like oh, a thing. Yeah. And it, it, you know, You're playing and, it all the time. And, well, yeah, it was. <laughs> but it, it was a flash in the pan. I mean, yeah. it, it was one of the quickest, you know, downloaded things. And so Fortnite seems to have some staying power. Right now we're hearing from all these CEO game makers saying it's good because it's kind of raising awareness for the, the offerings that we have. If it keeps going that way, it's going to really hurt these guys over the next right. six months. Still ahead, Amazon higher in the after hours. The stock hitting an all-time high as the company conference calls underway. Tech guru Gene Munster of Loop Ventures is dialed in on the red phone. He'll bring us his latest takeaways from the quarter in just a few minutes. Welcome back to Fast Money. Amazon rallying after hours following its earnings report. Courtney Reagan's back at headquarters with the very latest analyst reactions. Courtney. Hey there, Melissa. So shares are higher, but it really was a quarter that wasn't entirely clean. There were some misses. Earnings, yes, twice as strong as expected, but both North American international revenues disappointed. That high margin cloud computing business, though, Amazon Web Services generated more revenue than analysts were looking for. And DA Davidson analyst Tom Fort says, quote, the story of the quarter is profitability. He adds that too often investors overlook the profits it generates. In addition to AWS, Amazon's profitability picture is improving as more of its retail sales are third party instead of first party and its advertising business, which we estimate has the highest contribution margin after AWS, is growing at a very fast rate. Remember, Amazon's now annual prime shopping day event didn't fall in the quarter just reported. That's going to be in Q3. And Amazon says it was the best day ever, but its revenue forecast for the third quarter that includes prime day actually below Wall Street's estimates. On the call regarding that pill pack acquisition, CFO Brian Olsofsky says it, quote, is a highly differentiated customer experience and a customer obsession that matches ours. But he didn't go much further than that because, of course, the deal hasn't quite closed yet. Melissa, back over to you. All right, Court, thank you. Courtney Reagan, for more, let's get over to Gene Munster, who's also listening in the call on the red phone. Um, there, there he is. Hey, Gene. <laughs> 
What, what's your take Whoa. on the quarter? And we noticed that the stock was inching up um, just in the past couple of minutes. And you say it's a commentary about CapEx? Yeah, what the CFO is talking about is there's going to be a moderated CapEx in the future. They've been growing CapEx 30 percent, much faster than revenue in the past. And what that means is sets the table for kind of earnings leverage in 2019. So that's part of the reason why the stock's inching up. I think part of the other reason is every minute that passes and there's not a bomb that goes off, given what happened last night, I think investors are breathing a sigh of relief. But I want to emphasize, I'm surprised at the stock reaction here in after hours. And given the revenue miss, and obviously earnings is what people are focused on, but this is still a growth story and they guided revenue 4 percent below the street. I would have expected the stock to be down 3 percent in the after hours based on this. So I love the story longer term, but really surprised at the stock action. You were also pretty happy about advertising as a percent of Amazon's business. Yep, that's right. So the advertising, it's a small piece. It's 4 percent. But that's a segment that we had looked to provide some upside on the, the earnings. And uh, in fact, that did happen is that they talked on the call that 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 segment is more much more profitable. They didn't break out the exact profit margin on it. But I think that is uh, even though it's only 4 percent, this just gives you a sense about how uh, laser tight these margins are. A 4 percent business can actually move the margins higher. So that was uh, a bright spot. In terms of the blue sky for advertising, Gene, I mean, does that for you, is it advertising on the devices like Alexa? Yeah, this would be, it's more about just when you are searching for products on Amazon, on your phone or on a, on a computer and, mm -hmm. and you see these sponsored ads at the top. It's more about that versus Alexa. Okay. I guess that's the future, huh? Um, in terms of the grade for the quarter, Gene, where do you come down on this? I'm going to say a B minus, and the simple reason is the stock's up 24 percent. There is a lot of expectations. I know investors are seeing this much different. I think it's a great story, but uh, I think that this revenue miss, the unit growth below 20 percent for the first time in a long time, uh, really should be weighed in a combination with that earnings upside. All right. B minus from Gene Munster. Gene, thanks. Always great to get your take. Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. We, we have a game called Higher or Lower. Wait, how does it work? Well, it's interesting. <laughs> you, know, you know what's interesting? I'm not going to play it. So what I'm going to tell you is that on April 27th, after they reported their Q1 earnings, the Why stock gapped up to new all-time highs, up 7%. It closed on the low of the day, up 3.5%. Here the stock is doing the same thing. So I, I'm not in the camp of going out and buying it at a new all-time high after a thing. There's nobody left to buy it. I think you probably see sellers throughout the day. So lower? Lower, there's a lower grade than B minus. Oh, I thought oh. we were saying lower Grading price. the quarter, Gene says B minus. <laughs> oh. Oh. Gene was C plus. Where do you for, go? If, if Facebook was a C plus oh. yesterday. And it was down 20%. How can how can Amazon be a B minus? That's I mean I know we could buy the guests, so I would. So give, you're grading Gene Monster. Oh, I'm grading. Right? Now you're grading. You should okay, you say we should grade Gene on the curve. Gene and is grading over the last two days. <laughs> oh. right. Up next, final trade. Final trade time, Dan. Yeah, all eyes tomorrow morning on Twitter. The implied move in the options market about 12 percent, five dollars and fifty cents or so. Berg, Google, uh, buyer Google here. Just from a safety perspective, in social media or in Fang, that's the safest trade. Karen, yes, I think we're going to see, like everyone, a hot, hot GDP print tomorrow, and to me that translates to higher rates. Easiest way to do it: TBT, law. Gee, well, the last two days the shows have just been. Like and that. Yeah. <laughs> Tight. Tight.
Uh, Cypress Semi reports tomorrow. Mm. See that AMD is trading 19 bucks, I think, but Cypress Semi and earnings could be very Tight until just now. <laughs> I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.